welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Casey Murray. And I'm Jack Anstein. On today's episode, we'll discuss how cybersecurity has been affected by the pandemic. And later, we'll hear from Anne Duplessis, Senior Vice President of Liberty Bank, to discuss how the bank, one of the only Black-owned financial institutions in Missouri, is serving the Black community. Plus, we'll have the week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know. So what are we waiting for? Let's speak startup. So there has been a ton going on on social media recently. Uh, Is there anything in particular that caught your eye? Yeah, I saw that a bunch of kind of A-list celebrities and really wealthy people on Twitter got their accounts hacked. Yeah, I saw that too, including Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Yeah, at first I thought it was like a little bit funny because it was also really techie guys like Elon Musk that you would think like wouldn't be hacked. But apparently there are some pretty significant ramifications. Yeah, there's definitely some irony there, but it is more serious than you would think at first, especially when you consider um, how much cyber attacks have gone up during the pandemic. But that's something we'll get into a little bit more during the podcast. Okay, can't wait to hear about it. But now let's get to our first headline. The value of venture capital deals in Missouri declined steeply in the second quarter, according to a new report from PitchBook. The state saw six deals worth just shy of $40 million. That's less than half of the $88 million Missouri startups raised in the second quarter last year. It's an even steeper decline from the $420 million raised in the first quarter of this year. The report said the cancellation of in-person meetings hurt the flow of investment dollars, as did venture capitalists protecting existing portfolio companies rather than investing in new ones. Governor Mike Parson announced two new grant programs to help Missouri businesses impacted by the coronavirus, the $30 million Small Business Grant Program and the $20 million PPE Production Grant Program are both funded by the Federal CARES Act. The Small Business Grant Program is designed to assist small businesses and family farms with up to $50,000 in reimbursement. The PPE Production Grant Program is intended to support Missouri companies that produce personal protective equipment. The Ewing Marion Kauffman Foundation, a Kansas City area nonprofit, has announced 17 new grantees as part of the Heartland Challenge. The organization is providing funds to organizations and academic institutions to help solve specific challenges that entrepreneurs in the region face. They focused on three areas, entrepreneurship training programs, rural business transfer opportunities, and cross-university programs for securing research and development funding. Grants that range up to $100,000 will be awarded to the grantees. Dynamex, a Kansas City-based startup, has been chosen for the first round of a $20 million climate change investment initiative. The program is backed by Exelon, a nuclear power company, and the Exelon Foundation. Each selected startup will receive $1 million in funding, plus another million dollars worth of in-kind services to develop technology to help address climate change. Kansas City-based Dynamex was selected for the initiative based on its work developing a software platform that helps cities and communities look at energy consumption data more closely. Applications for year two of the program are open. At Missouri Southern State University, the College of Business has started two programs intended to help Missourians get back on their feet after the pandemic. The programs will offer two different certificates of entrepreneurship in either planning and management or operations. They're part of Missouri's Return Strong campaign. 
the courses will take place online and residents may be eligible to receive training vouchers. Now let's turn our attention back to cybersecurity. Casey, are you familiar with what a cyber attack is? Yeah, it's basically when people try to steal your information or get access to your online network. I see scam emails all the time in my inbox. That's definitely one example of a cyber attack, but cyber attacks can also include disabling computers or using a breached computer as a launch point for additional cyber crimes. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the number of cyber attacks went up by 300%, according to studies from the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center in May. Wow, I wouldn't have expected that. Why is that? Well, with more businesses moving remote and communicating online, there are more opportunities for cyber attacks to occur. Cyber criminals also are using highly searched buzzwords like the coronavirus and their attacks so that they can gain more traction. That definitely makes sense. So, how can people and businesses protect themselves from these cyber attacks? Well, I spoke with several cybersecurity experts in the state to learn more. Let's take a listen. You sit down at your computer and see that you've received an email. The message seems to be from someone at your company, and they've provided a link to fill out some information. Your first instinct may be to click the link, but James Curtis, the program director for cybersecurity at Webster University in St. Louis says that this could be a cyber attack and that cybercrime is on the rise during the COVID-19 pandemic. In the February, March timeframe, when we just didn't know much, I think people got scared. And so the bad guys, they take advantage of that. Cyber attacks are legal attempts to gain access to electronic data stored on a computer or computer network. In May, the FBI reported a 300% increase in cyber crimes since the beginning of the pandemic. Curtis said one reason for this increase is that cyber criminals began using online domains related to COVID-19 to spread their attacks. The one that we really saw was probably the most dominant was where people would just get online and start typing coronavirus and they would come up and they click on a link and then the, the purpose for these was either to get you to buy something that was fake or to be able to put a virus on your system and then, you know, steal your stuff. Another reason for the increase in cyber crimes during the coronavirus is that many businesses began to work remotely and were more engaged online, Curtis said. All of our data shows every time there's a national emergency, the bad guys will be doing these things. This time, what happened? We sent everybody home. And so the propensity for more people to be online who are making mistakes was magnified tremendously. And so um, you probably read some of these horror stories about people getting their government checks stolen, you know, um, about uh, getting uh, tricked into buying things. And it's all true. There's also a large amount of personal and financial information being shared during the pandemic, according to Wyatt Cobb. He's the CEO and founder of Softwarefare, a Kansas City metro-based cybersecurity company. The volume of potential for 
complex cyber attacks and simple cyber attacks to occur, no doubt, have, have increased greatly. Cobb said that in response to the increased cyber attacks, his company launched a new platform in June called BioAuthenticate, which aims to provide an extra layer of security for corporations by using smartphones for iris, voice, and facial recognition. We, we moved very quickly to get that product to market when we saw the work from home things coming online just because we knew we had a valuable solution that could help many small, medium, and large businesses. 49% of businesses expected to have a cyber breach in June, according to a survey from cybersecurity network Barracuda. Cobb said that companies with outdated security measures and those with the most valuable information are at highest risk. You know, companies who have a more modern approach and a more maturing approach to defending their network infrastructure are going to be less likely to, to have those attacks. Uh, the folks with the most valuable data to lose are also going to be more susceptible to those attacks, most likely. Curtis, the Webster University professor, said there are an increased number of businesses taking safety measures to guard against cyber attacks so that they can stay protected during the COVID-19 pandemic. There has been approximately uh, 70% of organizations across the nation industry, commercial organizations, academia, who are increasing their budget for cybersecurity. So they're hiring more cybersecurity experts, they're getting more software, they're taking more precautions. They realize that if we're gonna be online more, we've gotta do a better job of taking um, cybersecurity serious. The biggest piece of advice Curtis offered was to not provide information to, or click links from, untrusted or suspicious sources. Always look for trusted senders. Do not click on links from people that you don't know. So even in the midst of the pandemic, when you get that email of urgent importance, pause and think it through. That could be the most effective defense protecting you from a cyber attack. I stumbled on an interesting fact this week. Okay, what is it? There is only one Black-owned bank in Missouri. Wow, that's kind of shocking. Yeah, and it could have effects long-term on entrepreneurship. How's that? Well, since there are fewer Black-owned banks, there aren't as many banks to operate and invest in Black communities. That could mean less capital for Black entrepreneurs. Okay, so where is this bank in Missouri? It's called Liberty Bank, and it's located in Kansas City. I imagine with everything that's been going on with Black Lives Matter, they're seeing a lot of support right now. Well, yes and no. I spoke to Andrew Plessis, the senior vice president, to find out how the bank has been doing. I am here with Anne Duplessis, senior vice president at Liberty Bank. Anne, welcome. Thank you. So I wanted to start by asking how long you've been at the bank. Uh, I have been with Liberty Bank about 27 years now. Was Liberty Bank being a traditionally African-American bank something that appealed to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny because oftentimes when, you know, we talk about who we are, I I like to say that first and foremost, we're a darn good bank. Uh, We can compete with the big boys, you know, no matter who the big boys are. But we're in a, a unique position that we're able to customize our services. It is comforting to know that we are reinvesting back in our communities. 
So can you comment a little bit on why it's important to have Black-owned banks? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what you'll find in um, a Black-owned bank are people that understand the issues. Most of us in, in the bank are just like our customers. We, we have had and we grew up in families just like the families that we serve every day. How can this help members of the Black community be more successful? Well, I think that, you know, some of what we have to do in the Black community is is take a, some additional responsibility for our own successes. And what I mean by that is, you know, financial literacy, and, and I don't mean that in a negative tone, but just understand how money works, right? How, the cost of money, what that, what that means to you and your wealth building. Try and learn as much as it can. Google is a beautiful thing. <laughs> Google will tell you, you know, any and everything you need to know. So then secondly is from a banking perspective, get to know a bank. Take some time out. It's, and, and it's a lot easier to go and, and introduce yourself to your banker. And, you know, if you're working with a minority bank, it makes it that much easier with that much more accessible. And let them know your dreams um, and build some trust. Have there been policies by banks and financial institutions in the past that have worked against the African-American community? Well, the policies, yes, absolutely. I mean, the policies are designed to give a benchmark or a give guidance with regards to what banking industry believes is risk. And so policies are there. What I think, again, is the problem, or one of the bigger problems, is that we don't understand the policies. And when we don't understand something, it automatically is a hindrance. I think that really is um, critical. Recently, with all the Black Lives Matter protests, there's been kind of a movement to support Black-owned businesses. Do you think that has the potential to have a positive effect on the bank? Yeah, let me just say this, though. You know, what we found, honestly, is that it was seasonal. And what I mean by that was people were very emotional and they wanted to contribute and they wanted to put their $50 in a savings account or a couple of dollars in a checking account, but they left their main accounts, the stuff that's making money, with the white bank. You know, they didn't move. They didn't move their relationships. They just opened a, in many cases, a, uh, a feel-good account. And so what we're saying is if you really want to impact uh, African-American-owned banks and so that we can continue to give back to the community, then you got to make a conscious, deliberate choice to do business with us. There, I think there are only like 22 Black-owned banks in the U.S. Yeah. Um, why do you think there are still so few? Well, banks are consolidating national, globally. Um, and the reason for that is technology. Um, you know, t- traditionally, most African-American-owned banks are, are located in, in urban communities, in low- and mod- moderate-income communities. And so, you know, there aren't a lot of opportunities for big loans or large deposits. And so if you, when you have a lot of your customer base, uh, the majority of your customer base that are not able to support 
the bank, you know, that can have an impact. But banking has consolidated nationally. Are you hopeful for the future of Liberty Bank? Oh, absolutely. We are an, a strong bank. We are in 10 cities, 9 states. We just made an acquisition in Kentucky, so we're constantly growing. So I believe that we're going to be around, I mean, we've been around 48 years, and I think we're going to be around for another 148 years. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be here, but <laughs> we will be around. Now let's get to the digits of the week, the numbers that matter most to Missouri business. Casey, what's your digit? My digit is 250000 Why did you choose 250000 Black & Veatch is providing $250,000 in grants as part of its Ignite X COVID-19 program. This initiative will feature 18 startups from around the country in a virtual showcase on Wednesday to highlight and grow solutions that aim to reduce COVID-19's impact on communities. Seven of the 18 startups involved are from Missouri, including Drexel-based InnovaPrep, which focuses on pathogen detection devices, and St. Louis-based NanoGuard, which provides disinfection for food in other markets. These startups were selected for more than 300 applicants. Well, my digit is 1.4 million. And why is that? One scientist from the Danforth Center in St. Louis received a $1.4 million grant to develop FieldDoc, an integrated smart farm system the technology aims to track data from the field using sensors and drones so that farmers, researchers, and breeders can analyze crop performance. The scientist, Nadia Shakur, said she expects FieldDoc to have a significant impact on food production. And that just about includes our episode for this week, but we still need our closing thought. Let's listen to Wyatt Cobb with Soft Warfare discuss the responsibility each person has in guarding against cyber attacks. Um, everyone has a responsibility at this point to ensure that, you know, they're both defending themselves, their data, their financial resources, as well as their family, their children. There are major threats online. And, you know, defending your um, assets and personal life from those threats is is on you. And so, you know, it's a skill set that everyone needs to continue to evolve. The reality of technology is it moves almost faster than anything on Earth. So, you know, even if you think you know uh, how to defend assets in your life from cyber attack, um, you know, make sure that the knowledge that you have isn't three years old because there's a lot of things that have changed just in the past four months. That's all we've got for this week. This has been Speaking Startup with Missouri Business Alert. The episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Casey Murray and me, Jack Anstein. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time.